Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening everybody, how are we? Sorry, I think I might be a couple of minutes late. That was um, a bit of a struggle getting back from the office today. There was a bit of traffic out and about. Um, Andrea, you are next up. Hopefully you'll be able to hear me whenever you are ready, Andrea. Hello. 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 Of you. No, that's um, all right. Different to our emails earlier on. I now yeah. have a different situation. Okay. <laughs> So Joshua, sorry, my little boy has, um, well, for the last year at least, his dad has always collected um, on contact days from the before or after school care facility. Yeah. Um, and dad has always paid for that. Uh, five days before court this evening, I've had an email saying he will no longer be collecting from uh, the after school care facility and that I am to drop Joshua uh, to, to him at our meeting point, which is used where the third party is not available. Yeah. I have messaged back basically and said, you know, um, the status quo is as, you know, until we go to court and something's different is ordered, you have to collect from after school club and Josh will be there as normal tomorrow. Yeah. What he's messaged back saying, well, I won't be there. I'll be at the meeting point at 5.30. If you don't, if you don't arrive, then, um, then you know, that, that's a failed drop off by you. Where do I stand in regards to the fact we've got a CAO in place it's... that says that my son has contact on those days at those times? Yeah, but what, does it specify, Andrea, that you've got to change your plans and drop him off at a point that maybe was or wasn't agreed with a third party that is or isn't there? No. No, exactly. So, unfo- There's no specification I, I, in yeah. the order at all. So, He's given me 24 hours notice. No, 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 no. He, he, he has made a request of you. Well, actually, he hasn't made a request. He's told you He's that there's a change. You have yeah. then gone back and advised him that you can't do it. He has then Correct. come back to say, well, okay, but I won't be there. I will be here. If it were me, the, um, tra- the trailer communication ends there. You've already told him that you can't do that. That's it. Now, he will think he's being incredibly clever, most likely. And when you're at court next week, advise the court that you've breached the order. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, And that's not how it works. And that will obviously go in your brief to counsel about what's happening. Fantastic. That's great. Thank you very much. I have emailed you back. I'm sorry it's only come through in the last five or ten minutes. No, that's fine. work when you emailed back. Okay, no worries. Thanks, Andrea. I'll pick that up. Thank you so much for your help. I really appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye. Bye Bye for now. Bye-bye. Glorious One. Oh, who have I got now? Is that Glorious? It is me. Hello. Evening, Legal Queen. Hello. What's your question? My question is, how do I go about requesting um, any and all position statements from the applicant because they were not sent to me? Email them. Email and ask where they are. No, no. You, you email the person that's meant to be giving you the, the statement. So you just have to email them and ask them. He's not the, co- the most cordial of individuals. He, he's 
problematic, well, that's, to say the least. That's all you can do. If he doesn't give it to you, he doesn't give it to you. You would just bring that to the court's attention at the next hearing. Ah, okay. Um, and if I wanted to make a request for the transcript from our last hearing, um, how do how would I go about that? So you would contact a transcript service. Um, you can mm -hmm. Google that. Um, give them the case number. Um, they will then request the tapes from the court and transcribe them for you. And of course, oh, it's fantastic. it's them it's them that you pay the fee to. So they'll tell you what their fee is to do that as well. Oh, fantastic! All and right. One last question, um, Legal Queen, if you've got some time. Um, I've got a pending section seven soon to come up. Um, is there anything you would say I need to be aware of or? prepare for beforehand no 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 the 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 purpose behind a section seven for those others that are listening is it's a wishes and feelings report so kafkas are there to put down the wishes and feelings of the children so kafkas will just want to know information about you and your family so you don't you don't prepare for it at all you will just let kafkas know the answer to their questions okay thank you all very right. much i appreciate that pleasure no problem thanks bye thank bye um, Sarah, I've invited you up. And Captain, I have invited you up. I just, it's taken a little while. Hello, Sarah. What's your question? I'm just ringing on behalf of my uncle. So basically, he just wants to know he split up with his wife. And at the moment, he still lives in the property with his wife. He's going to put him for a divorce and start the proceedings. But he wants to know could he leave the property? Uh, would that affect his? um share in the property because they both legally own the property together no no it won't if he doesn't live there anymore it won't affect his um his position at all that's absolutely fine would it prolong things if he if he moved out i don't see why why it would no i mean it will depend on what the parties are, are going for so if she wants to stay in the property and, and can't afford to buy him out she then no longer has an incentive to move forward with the matter because he's gone but I, I don't know. So the position is, he, he, one of his daughters lives there with, with them and he's got two daughters um, that are w wanting to buy his share so that is, is, the mum would still live there but his share, two of the daughters would would buy. At the moment they're saying they can't get the amount, what the house is worth for the mortgage but in that instance, would they just have to sell the house would the court just order them to sell the house if they if they can't do i mean that? i yeah it's difficult because i don't know anything about your uncle's case um if he's entitled yeah. to 50 percent of the equity or, or any percentage of the equity and she wants to stay and can't afford to buy him out then yeah it'd be an order for sale but of course it's not as you know black and white as that because there might be other circumstances um, that affect that so he would need to go and take some legal advice ultimately as to whether or not yeah. an order for sale would be granted all right. right we're going to email you anyway tracy but no problem just one last question yeah we, we are going to do the divorce i've printed the papers off for him if yeah he, if she doesn't sign the divorce papers does he just send them into the court no no he, he'd have to serve her with a process server so he will start his divorce petition online. It, when you go on, Sarah, to start the divorce petition on the government website, they've got some really handy notes there and they're really, you know, sort of self-explanatory. But ultimately, if she won't sign, he'll serve her using a process server. Right, okay, no problem. That's great, Tracy, that's everything. Thank okay, you. pleasure. Thanks, Sarah. Bye. Thank you. Thanks, bye. Captain, take yourself off mute. Hello, how are you? 
I'm good. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. A bit hot, but there we go. Isn't it just? Right? <laughs> I go to Tenerife at the end of the month. A <laughs> um, couple of things um, I'm going to ask you tonight, Tracy. One of them yeah. is more general. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to mention the C word. I know we're in September, but it's coming round. Okay. Okay. Um, I've seen a lot of comments lately about people wanting they they wanting their children at Christmas and they can't agree. Can you just talk briefly of what happens with it in regards when you've got a child's arrangement disorder, what happens at Christmas and other holidays around this time of year? Yeah, so traditionally December is a real busy month for family lawyers because it, it becomes um, apparent that actually, even though the order that we have says that the child will now be with dad this year for Christmas Day, that's not going to happen. Um, so then we find ourselves making a load of applications to the court, specific issue applications to enforce the orders to make sure that we're actually going to get, um, you know, our Christmas contact as outlined. Or maybe we don't have an order and all of a sudden it becomes apparent in maybe even so much as November that we're not going to be able to see the children over Christmas. So then we're making an application for a child arrangements order. The thing that I say to people, though, is, and, and it's really hard, obviously, for people to do what I'm about to say. When we make an application to the court, it generally takes us three months to get a hearing date, unless it's emergency. And of course, not being able to see your child on Christmas Day isn't an emergency. So if you think that there might be trials and tribulations over Christmas contact, which is equally important to both parents, get your application in early. And how you know that you're going to need an application is we write to the other side, spelling out what that contact's going to look like. And then hopefully they'll come back to say yes. If they say no or they ignore me, I'm generally saying to client, let's go and get a child arrangements order. So it's actually an excellent question, Captain, for this time of year. So thank you for asking that. No worries. And then uh, another quick one uh, from Discord. Uh, Laura, my divorce was finalised 15 years ago without a financial order. I have purchased my own property since then. Can I be forced to sell my home if my ex-husband makes a claim for a share of the property I purchased after divorce yeah. and is there potential for such a claim to be successful resulting in me losing my home I have purchased post-divorce? Yeah, excellent question. So it's a post-divorce asset, post-separation asset, Laura. That's the first thing that I would say. Um, also, it will depend on what he has. So whilst he can make a financial claim, yes, your question around will he succeed, that will depend on what he has. So does he need any money from your property? In other words, are his housing needs already met? Are his income needs already met? Um, in any event, I would be looking to get that clean break order in place. Um, the thing to do, Laura, is don't, don't worry too much. I mean, chances are if you're divorced and separated and he hasn't come after you, then he doesn't have a need for anything. Okay, um, that's what I would say. Um, and the fact that it's post-separation and even more importantly, post-divorce really helps your case. Uh, the fact that she's been divorced 15 years. 15, yeah, exactly. Cute. Exactly. You would, you would have thought that all his boxes are ticked in terms of housing and income and capital. Um, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want those of you listening to get complacent. It does happen where people come out of the woodwork years and years later, you know, anything up to 20 years later, and they make a successful application 
Um, but I'm saying that she, you know, those cases are few and far between. Uh, Marianne, you are next up. Let me take you off mute whenever you're ready. Ask me. Your, oh, you're on mute, Marianne. Yeah, just um, I'm still in a like a state of confusion. So basically, um, a week ago, I just left a um, domestic um, abuse relationship. Yeah. And this person has um, there's an alleged um, rape against him by mm. my sister who lived lived with stayed with us. So basically, I was told the police that's it because I'm scared that he might take my son off of me. Mm -hmm. Um, that to fill out the C100 form. But yeah. when I tried to um, go on it on the government website, it says that I need like a form that we've been through media mediator. Yeah. But the police said that I need I don't need to do that because it's domestic abuse and he is on bail. Um, there's no no non molestation order yet, but he's on bail and one of the conditions is that he couldn't um, come near us. So um, I don't know what the next step is. Like, what document can I provide? It's in. For a Court order. It's in the C100 and you're going to tick yeah. the exemption to mediation. So if you just okay. read through the C100 carefully, where it comes to the part about mediation, it will say, are you exempt? And you'll tick yes. And then it will ask you why you're exempt. And if you go to part three, it gives you an option to tick that there's been domestic violence um, involved. Oh, okay. So, because I tried to do it online, but is it better to like print the form and then send it to them? Possibly. I mean, I, we we do all of ours online, and the option is there to tick that box. Okay, because I think online it says um, to um, upload the thing, and then with that, with um, whatever, once it go, if I fill out that form, apparently the decision would come like thirty days. Would it? prevent him from taking my son away from me usually or you're gonna, what the court decides. You're going to ask the court to ha give you an emergency hearing, okay? okay. So hopefully yeah. you're here within a couple of days. So I made an emergency application on Tuesday and we were before yeah. the court this afternoon. Now, uh, okay. uh, e each court differs and, and I was in central London um, court this afternoon. So each court mm -hmm. does differ. Um, but yeah, if it's an emergency application to have your son uh, protected so that dad can't remove him from you, um, mm -hmm. then you should hear within a couple of days. Do I need a lawyer? Do I need to have a lawyer, a solicitor? That, that can I do that myself? You, you can do it yourself. Yeah, the court don't force you to have solicitors with you. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks yeah, then. Thank you Bye so bye. Much. Brave, you are next up. Let me take you off mute. What's your question? Hi, Tracy. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Um, so I have my hearing coming up. I just wanted to know, do I need to carry documents with me? I've submitted everything. The ES1 and ES2 also I sent today. So, myself, what, what, what should I carry with me? Well, I take the bundle so that the court will have a bundle. You want to take that with you, which is okay, all... Okay, I have an electronic one so I can print out the whole thing and... Yeah. With me. yeah absolutely yeah and if it were me i'd want to take the bundle with me just so that i could be sure the court had the right papers and if the court asked me any questions mm -hmm. i had the papers in front mm -hmm. of me so yeah by all means take the bundle with you but that's all you'll need okay all right so because the bundle doesn't have any bank statements or those documents are not there but everything else should be there in it okay okay yeah brilliant i was just worried and stressed about no, I know. what to do. That's okay. The, bu the bundle will be fine. That's what the judge will be referring to. So take that one with you. Okay, I'll do that. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks Brave. So much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Uh, Mickey, you are next up. Let me just take you off mute. There we go. What's your question? Hello. 
thing here, Emma. I can, yeah. What's your question? Uh, yeah, just a few things. Uh, basically, I've gone through my uh, resolution period and I'm waiting for a Section 7 report at the moment. Uh, one issue I've got is my children have recently joined a high school and forms aren't being filled in, like uh, data, you know, like uh, contact details and whatnot. The school have said forms have been filled out to mother. I, I don't live with mother. Uh, and basically they've been waiting since March for, for the forms when they were sent out. And it's happened in the past where mother hasn't attended important things at school, GCSE options, parents' evenings. I was just wondering whether that's something you bring up with social services or you just wait until uh, I've got the Section 7 report due anytime soon. So I suppose the, the question is, is it relevant um, information. So, you know, I, I don't know what your case is, Mickey, but um, the fact that mum doesn't turn up to uh, appointments, what you need to maybe elaborate on is and how that has a negative impact on the child. So if you think, yeah, because think. because what you don't want to do is is overload CAFCAS, who will do the Section 7, with irrelevant information, yeah. because then they'll miss the key points that that that's the I key what you mean, yeah. yeah that that's the key to all things litigated you know when you guys are, are in courts and you're doing it yourself less is more always give them the most crucial information um that that you know is really important to your case so yes oh, is the answer to your question missed. yeah okay yeah all but, right, sorry to interrupt yeah it's all right like uh there's an app there's an app for the children uh I've, a lot of high schools have these days for forms general things that you have to fill in getting the homework the behavior and whatnot and she's not even added on to those so the children are missing out on a lot of things when it comes to school yeah so that so you know, that like import, yeah important forms and it's yeah. I don't know whether you class that as neglect or... or it, it, might not be, it, it might not be neglect as such. When we talk about neglect in, in the children's arena, we're talking more that they're not being fed, they're not being cared for, um, you know, that the home isn't, isn't fit for purpose. But what you're explaining to me, I think, Mickey, is definitely having a detrimental impact on their education and perhaps on their morale, you know? I mean, if children aren't um, involved in things because parents haven't filled out a form, that can impact them, you know, their confidence with their peers, etc. So I would certainly, you know, use your examples, but have a think about how that how you can illustrate that it's not good for the kids rather than just giving the examples and, and, and having Kafkas work it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. They yeah. don't want to be just uh, bad-mouthing the mother. Really. Yeah, just exactly just right. Exactly them. right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, another thing, uh, yeah. while I'm waiting uh, for the Section 7 report, yeah. I've only been given uh, indirect contact uh, by a letter once a month yeah, uh, which she was she was uh, told that she had to help him out with that, and the first letter that I sent and then got in return, my son is is eleven year old. It's autistic, but it can it can write quite well. Yeah, uh, I only got like a couple of sentences, but barely barely anything. Uh, it didn't seem like she put much of an effort into helping him. She just emailed me a picture of that, and he was saying that he's feeling low. And it feels like he'll never see me again as well, which, uh, you know, as a father, it was quite, quite upsetting and worrying that yeah. he's, he's having feelings like that. Yeah. 
Uh, and this is going to go on for potentially, I'm not due back in court until mid-November, so I don't know what kind of correspondence, you know, I'm going to get from it. Uh, I, w- I would, you bring up. yeah, I would, I would certainly mention your concern that, you know, it, it could be, again, I wouldn't be bad-mouthing, Mum, but I'd be letting Kafkas yeah, know, yeah. you know, that the letter was very limited. Um, I, I feel that, you know, feel that because we've only got one opportunity per month, that there could be a little bit more um, contained within it. And perhaps mum could be encouraged to encourage the child to do a bit more. Um, because, again, yeah. you you want your son to know that his letters are being read and that you're then going to be writing another one to him. Do you know what I mean? So indirectly yeah. that that is having an impact on him but it, it's all about diplomacy and and letting Kafkas know you do have concerns um but as you, as you said earlier we don't want to be bad mouthing mom too much but that that's definitely um a valid um concern there about the letter absolutely and just one last quick thing mm. uh, obviously i've said I've, i'm only allowed in contact and yeah. i brought up in court uh, asking basically what's indirect and what's direct because yeah. I've been going to kids' school performances and watched my son play football yeah. and he said uh, I, I wouldn't do that anymore. So would I not even be able to watch his matches at a distance because nobody else seems to go and watch him mm. or would that still be classed as direct contact? It, it is classed as direct contact because you're there in the vicinity where he is. Do you know what I mean? You don't have to physically be right. up up next to him and, and within sort of Speaking touching him, distance. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would be careful, particularly where you have an order that says indirect contact only. I would be very careful right. um, as to as to how you approach that. Yeah, I don't want it used against me when it comes to the session. Well, and and it's not so much used against you, although I'm sure the other side would relish in that. It's more that the court might take um, a dim view of the fact that you went against their order. Uh, And what could be inferred from that is that you therefore don't have any respect for the court orders and that, you know, you think you know better. You know, and that's an argument that we would make when someone's breached an order that, you know, they don't have the, the respect for the order that's been made. So that that's where I'd be more concerned for you, how that how that the inference that's going to be drawn from that, yeah. right? Because I have had the problem, we live in close proximity and I have had the problem where I pass the kids in the street on a regular basis, you know, and it, it's just difficult knowing, do I say I or do I ignore my own children in the street? I know, it's really, that's really difficult. It, it's really difficult. Because, I mean... When, when pa- they do actually shout across and say, hi, your dad, am I... Oh yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. Because that that is just a a chance meeting, really, isn't it? And you'll do more harm to the child by ignoring them, because then they'll, you know, take it upon themselves to wonder what did I do to annoy dad. No, I would certainly, certainly be be acknowledging them and saying hello back, but obviously keep walking. You know, you can't stop, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay then. Brilliant. Your pleasure. No problem. Bye. NS, let's come on to you. You are next in the list. How can I help? Hi. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. Yes. Hi. Um, my question's to do with um, finances. So um, we're currently going through a divorce at the moment and we're dealing with um, children's custody. Um, but we have a property that we both own uh, that was undergoing renovation and it's still, well, it's stopped now. There's no work happening. But um, there's a mortgage on the property that's in both of our names. And when we bought the property, I had just gone on to maternity leave. So he was paying 
the mortgage and I'd just gone come back to work after maternity leave when um, there was an incident in which he assaulted me and then I had to leave um, and file for divorce. So I haven't been making any payments towards that mortgage. Could he um, try and get me to backdate mortgage payments when it comes to the finance part of our divorce? Not really. Is that? Did you say the property was in joint names? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the mortgage is in joint names. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, but obviously he's the higher earner, um, whereas I'm not, and I've been on maternity leave for the majority of the time that we own property, um, and I take on all the expenses for the kids and everything else, and he pays for the bills and the mortgage. So the answer to your question is no. No, he, 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 he I, I don't think he would succeed. He could certainly ask the court okay. for an adjustment um, in the financial yeah. settlement, but I don't think the court would agree to that because, you know, you were on maternity leave. So it, was, it wouldn't be fair yeah. to penalise you for that. Okay, but even though now I'm back at work, but we're going through a divorce, he can't ask for it to be yeah. updated from when I left. No, okay. no. Okay, that's no. fine. Well, look, I, he, I, I, think, I think the question okay. is, you said to me, yeah. can he ask? He can always ask, yes. So, yeah, so, so yeah. let's be clear, he can ask the court, it's whether or not he'd succeed. And my view is yeah. he, he wouldn't succeed. I suspect he'd be, you know, he'd, he'd have low prospects of success. Okay. Right. Uh, the, the one other quick question that I wanted to ask is, his side is like trying to push this narrative of alienation, that I'm alienating the children from him. Um, and we've agreed to um, him seeing the children in a contact centre. Obviously, that's taking time. Um, and things have been delayed, which are out of my hands, um, which they keep blaming me for and saying I'm delaying the process. Um, but we've offered FaceTime, which he hasn't done. He pushed for and we said, you can do the FaceTime, but it can't be through me because there's a non-mall in place. So that he can't FaceTime or contact me to speak to the children. He'll have to do it through one of my family members. But he wasn't happy with that. And he's basically just not taken us up on that offer saying that we're not doing it properly or something and then still pushing this narrative of parental alienation um, because he hasn't seen the children in a couple of months. So what's um, your question? Yeah, what's your question of that? My my question is, I know that the courts take parental alienation quite seriously. Would he be successful in pushing that narrative um, in the courts? We have a hearing coming up in a few weeks. Um, I'm just worried that he's going to try, their, their side keep pushing that narrative and the courts I know take that seriously and then would they then force me to then allow him to have contact with the children um, so parental, outside of a context. Parental alienation is is very difficult to prove. That's the first thing I would say. Um, and the okay. reason that it's difficult to prove is that, you know, it's difficult to get evidence that a parent is deliberately alienating you because the uh, real mm. alienation is dressed up in, oh, the child was sick today or, you know, we've got plans today or what have you. So it's very, very difficult to win a PA case. Made even okay. more difficult by the fact that you will have, I'm sure, evidence whereby you are offering him indirect contact. You know, you've, you've talked there yeah. about the, the FaceTime or whatever it might be. So that that will make his application or, or his allegations of PA even more difficult to substantiate. I wouldn't be able okay, to answer you okay. if he would succeed yeah. or not because I don't know your case. Yeah. But it's difficult yeah. to, to win a PA case. All right. Oh, okay. All right. I just Great. thought I, I read somewhere that apparently it's quite a useful tool for abusers to use in cases like this against the mothers to kind of gain access to the children um, and to kind of hide their own abate, 
abusive behavior. I think there was like okay. a BBC article that came out recently. All right. And I was just really worried after reading that yeah. that he would be successful in doing something like that. I'm but thinking thank you anyway. Pleasure. No problem at all. Thanks. Thanks. Martin, you are up next. There we go. What's your question? Hello, Mark. How are you, Trace? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Right, so the first question I've got for you, um, I receive a uh, divorce petition from my husband. Yeah. He states that he's a habitual resident in the UK, but this isn't true. He moved to Spain in 2021 and continued to WFH whatever that is, and pay taxes in the UK, equally pay for mortgage. He's using his brother's address for correspondence. Do I need to inform the court, um, like in England, that he's now left his job and left the UK? Well, WFH is working from home. Um, I, I, I would tread carefully there. Is is he, even though he's resident in another country, is he still, though, being uh, employed by a UK company and just working from home in Spain. I think I think I'd probably just want to explore that a little bit more. But if if she's happy that you know he's he's definitely not working here from here anymore and that he works in in a different com- uh, country, then yeah, by all means, tell them. Days, that's that one. Um, the next one is um, I'm currently going through a child court arrangement order. I'm filing domestic abuse, and both children have witnessed by my youngest is three, who is taking me to court. Um, so the question is, do the judges uh, lean towards Kafka's recommendations with no access at all, even though if they watch my video evidence of violence and verbal abuse? Um, also, father has no PR. Will it go with no access? Sorry for rabbiting. Just like to give you a brief understanding. So, yes is the answer to the first question. Kafkas's suggestions or recommendations um, are considered um, important by the court because it's the court's only independent view. You know, mum has a very biased view and dad has a very biased view and they can't agree, hence we're before the court. So, yes, I mean, what Kafkas recommends, the court's going to look at and consider very carefully. Um the fact that dad isn't on the birth certificate and therefore doesn't have PA, um, sorry, PR, um, won't really influence because by making a child arrangements order, we'll give dad PR. So dad's going to get PR. As long as he's the biological father and you don't dispute parentage, dad's going to get PR one way or another. Yeah, no worries. Um, the next one is, uh, my ex-partner was an abuser. He's currently in prison for attempted murder. I have a son with him, um, but he's not on the birth certificate. I want my new partner to adopt him. Can this be done? It can be done. Um, step one is to get in touch with social services because they'll want to do an assessment on the family to make sure that adoption is appropriate. I would have thought, even though dad doesn't have parental responsibility and therefore doesn't have to be notified of the application, the court will most likely, out of courtesy, want you to let him know. But um, in adoption applications, where an adoption order is granted, dad would then lose his PR. And of course, he's got nothing to lose in this instance. Um, But I suspect that, as I say, the court may still want him served anyway, just so that he's aware of what's happening. But, you know, I I don't think that's going to stand in her way with regard to adoption. That's all I'm I'm saying. Yeah, no worries. I got two more short ones for you. Yeah. Uh, My partner divorced from his wife and and didn't do a financial settlement. 
Um, at the time, there was nothing to settle, so it wasn't worth it. Um, since then, her mum has passed away and she was left inheritance. He's still not done a financial settlement. When his, partner, when his parents pass, will he get more inheritance than she got? Can she, can she then do a financial settlement and would it be awarded when he hasn't made any stake on hers? Yeah, so when we're doing a financial settlement, we're going to throw everything onto the table that we've got finances, uh, financially um, in the marriage. Um, inheritance, we do try to ring fence. So we will try and keep inheritance out of it, as will the courts. However, if we need to include that inheritance, so let's just say that the equity in the home isn't going to be enough to rehouse both people, then the court may look to bringing in that inheritance, okay? But the yeah. starting point will be all the assets we've got in the marriage are all thrown onto the table to, to be divided in accordance with what the parties need. Starting point's 50-50, but then we may be able to move away from that depending on what the parties need. For example, yeah. one person might be earning way more than the other. So the person who isn't earning a lot might need a little bit more than 50% because their mortgage capacity isn't high. Um, and then the inheritance, as I say, that will be drawn in if we need it. Brilliant. Was there one more, Mark? I think this one is more for, uh, I don't think you deal with it. So dad was terminally ill in 2015. He had life insurance um, and lump sum inheritance. And it's all about selling the family home and things like that. But uh, she's got in a new relationship and we are now concerned she might try to leave my dad's house our family home to the new boyfriend in her will so that's more of a that's definitely wills and probate i would be suggesting that person take some um advice from a wills um, probate solicitor um just to find out what their rights are there yeah no worries so the shortest one i've got now is uh, how long after a c1 c one under application would i be notified my ex has been saying since feb He's taken me to court, but I haven't heard anything from the solicitor or court. Oh, I mean, once the... So we send in a C100 application and it's issued generally within a week or two. You won't get your hearing date then, but it's issued. Um, so you'd hear within a week or two. If you haven't heard anything since February, chances are they haven't made the application because the court would not take that long to issue an application. Yeah, happy days. Thank you very much, Tress. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure. Thanks very much. Yes. Bye. Um, for all those people that March just um, asked the questions for, I hope that was useful. So Martin Captain will come on um, every Tuesday, every Thursday, and they'll ask questions on behalf of other people. They'll dip into the Discord and they'll take a load of people's questions from that. So I hope that's why they're here and they ask maybe you know more than one question because they're asking on behalf of, of other people. Um, Kurgi88, you are next up. You're on mute. There we go. What's your question? Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you this time, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, fantastic. I'm so sorry about that before. Don't worry, that's um, fine. It's a bit of a difficult background. There's a lot that's happened. Basically, I've tried um, accommodating Dad as we're trying to co well. I'm trying to co-parent our daughter. And he just seems to be not kind of responding, not bringing anything to co-parenting. He's wanting everyone to do everything for him. Um, I've had to go through mediation because he is the way he is. I've been told I'm controlling. I don't want the control. I do not want to have to be there when he has his child. I want him to be able to go and have that freedom. 
But the problem that I've got is that he's not now willing to do... It's like he's emotionally blackmailing me. So my question is, is I would like to do a C100 in order to get a child arrangement order so that he has set days to see our daughter. Yep. Now, we understand that we have to go through mediation first. Yeah. However, we have already been through this, but it was a couple of years ago, and he actually lied during that mediation. I can't prove that because he never fulfilled and nothing was put on paper, so that makes sense. But would we still need to do the mediation process again for the C100? Because I'm yes. it's just going to make me out like I'm controlling again, and, and I'm not. Like, I've, I've, I've... He's in essence, made me go out with them on family days out because he's either saying, well, you come or I refuse to do anything with our child. So, yes, you are going to have to contact a mediator and get yeah. a mediator's certificate to attach to your C100. Now, you know, when you speak to the mediator, they may establish that you're exempt from mediation. They may decide it's not suitable. But you do have to um, reach out to a mediator and have that conversation with them first. Okay. And the next one is, is um, where do I stand? Because he's, my, um, sorry, our daughter has got um, an allergy and he's purposely gone out of his way to not accommodate this allergy. He's also failed to um, acknowledge that she's had an allergic reaction whilst with him and at handover not mentioned it. Um, I do believe there are safeguarding issues because he's going, well, I'm going to feed her this anyway, knowing it's got this allergy attached to it. Um, he's also not standing or not accommodating her structure or routine, knowing that she's got additional needs. He's not providing for her at his house. He's expecting me to do it all. Where do I stand with that? I mean, if she's at his house, does he have to supply clothes, food, um, you know, toys for her to be entertained, sensory things if she's having a bad day with her additional needs? Is, there's, there's, that, or do I supply it all? Yeah, there, there's a lot of questions in here. We're, we're going oh. from allergies to, to, to toys and to food and all the rest of it. I mean, let, let's start with the, with the basic ones. When the child is in her care you would expect him to feed her and provide the food and you would expect him to have, you know, some things to keep her entertained. If the child has a favourite toy or a favourite blanket and wants to bring that with him, then obviously, you know, you would allow that. When it comes yeah. to allergies, I mean, allergies can be life-threatening. So if he's not sticking to that, then it may be that no contact should go ahead because we don't want to put any child at risk um, by a parent that doesn't respect the allergies. Um, yeah. it it can be mentioned in the child arrangements order that, you know, the child does have allergies and when the child is in father's care that he doesn't give her anything that will trigger the allergy. Um, the difficulty you've got is policing it. You know, he doesn't, the, the courts can't force that on anybody and no one's there on contact day, only him and the child. So it might be... It might be that, Sorry, you know, yeah. contact stops. This is my issue is that I've always promised him that I'd never stop contact because I never thought I'd be that person. But at the same time, it's as though he just wants to have fun with her and then do nothing else. And it's, he's just not accommodating anything else for her. Yeah, there's there's obviously a lot of emotion in, in all of this, Kurji, and I hear that. I think the, the main um, theme that's coming out is that you need more of a structure. So make the C100 application and let's get a framework of contact 
for dad so that at least you have that structure. Okay, that that I think has to be step one. All right. Um, Dojo girl, you are next up. I don't know what happened to Kurji's mic then, but she dropped off. Dojo, can I hear you? Hi, Tracy. Hello, I can hear you loud and clear. How can I help? Um, It's just a quick one regarding properties. Um, I am going through a separation at the moment. We haven't yet started the divorce proceedings. And four months ago, my husband left our former, well, the marital home, which we own jointly, excuse me. We also have a second property, which was his family home growing up, which we have an elderly relative living in. Um, We've had some initial discussions in preparation to, as you like to say, getting your ducks in a row. And um, it's suggesting that we're not going to come to an agreement about the properties because he is adamant that he doesn't want to sell his family home and he would always retain it to um, rent out and live off any income. Just got a couple of questions regarding that, if I may. Yeah. Firstly, can he rent the second property that we own jointly as common uh, tenants in common without my consent and if he did rent it would I be entitled to any of the rental income so no he can't without your consent because you're a joint owner Um, and of course if you do consent then yes you are entitled to a share of the income okay and now also he's also suggesting that because the family home that I'm living in and he left he's now in rented is worth quite a bit more than the other home that I should sell this home and give him a portion of the sale. Mm. And would he be expected, I'm hoping he would, be putting everything into the pot if he had to split everything, including that house that he doesn't want to sell? Yes. Yeah, because it's a matrimonial asset. And there's no way that he can just not include it on any paperwork. Well, yeah, he can. He doesn't have to declare it, but you know about it. So, so you would be yeah. you would well, be saying it's in, it's included yeah. in the in the negotiations, yeah. Because obviously, if I have to be forced to sell the family home that I'm living in, the equity doesn't cover. It's not enough for me to get another property, and I would then have to ask for the fifty percent equity of the property that he wants to retain. Yeah. And and therefore there's a need. Okay. So, yeah. That's everything fine. I just need to know for now. Thank you. Brilliant. Okay. Thanks, Dojo. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Captain, let me take you. Oh no, you're on mute. Yeah, I put myself on mute. How can I help? Um, couple of quick ones for you, Tracy. Yeah. Um, the first one is for a lady that is in the audience on Discord. Okay. I'm not going to mention her name, and you'll understand why. But okay. she is listening. Okay. Um, if fleeing domestic violence, can I just flee or do I need a relocation order? There's no court order for my child for custody, but we do have a private agreement. Can I just flee because the events are getting more severe? My, solic- my solicitor keeps telling me she does not advise to me move out of the mortgage property we share together to a refuge because I need a relocation order. But the domestic abuse helpline told me I don't need an order. So I'm just confused. Okay. Um, well, let, let's see if we can help. Relocation orders are applications that we make where we want to take the child out of the country. So that's the first thing. So the fact that she's talking about a relocation order tells me that she may be looking to flee away from the UK. So that's the first thing. If, if that isn't the case and she's just using um, incorrect terminology, then and there's no court order in place, then you don't need an order to take the child away. 
if you're going to remain in the UK. Um, you, you would simply, you know, take the child away if you're in fear of your safety. However, the court's going to always want to promote child contact between both parents. Okay, so, you know, if you have to flee because of domestic violence, by all means flee. But once you have then fled and you are safe, the court would expect you to consider the needs of the child and to try to promote a relationship with both parents as long as it's safe to do so. So, you know, I've had a case recently where dad took the child, literally moved three and a half hours away um, and then refused to have anything to do with mum, wouldn't answer her calls, wouldn't, wouldn't allow her to see the child. That's just not appropriate. That's just not, it's just not appropriate. He hasn't breached an order um, and there's nothing that we can have him penalised for, for leaving mum. However, you've, you know, once you're safe, you've then got to sit down and think, right, we've now got to sort out the fact that the child has a right to have a relationship with the father, if it's safe to do so. So I hope, I hope that that answers her question or gives her a bit more of a direction. Yeah, I was confused about the relocation bit because, like you say, it's a, a broad thing. Yeah. But she, she doesn't need anything to fill any form in if she's, say, fleeing to a refuge in this country. No, no, not at all. And she, she isn't compelled to let Dad know where she is um, for her safety. She doesn't have to do that either. But she would have to maybe use a solicitor or a third party um, once she's safe to then see about contact if that's what dad's wanting. Because if she doesn't, that may well go against her um, if dad then makes a child arrangements application. So could it be best to say flee and make a child arrangements order herself? Um, she or, would be, or would it be for dad to make the child arrangements order? I mean, yeah, I mean, generally dad would make the child arrangements order, but I would be making sure, because an order might not be necessary if the parents can agree between themselves. So the first thing I would do once I was away and safe, if I was the one that had the child, I would then be getting in touch with dad if it was safe to do so via email or a third party to say, right, you know, I'm out, I'm not coming back, etc. However, we do need to sort out contact. So you, you need yeah. to be seen to be doing that. Now, dad might, um, you know, it may be that in correspondence you can't reach an agreement, in which case one of you will make a child arrangements order. But the court will think more of you if it does come before the court, if you have at least tried. Unless, of course, it's just not safe to do so, in which case the court wouldn't expect you to do that then. Yeah, that's great. Um, and this uh, next question is from, well, my last question I've got for you tonight is from yeah. Silent Man. Yeah. Um, hi, Kath. Question for Trace. Consent order has been signed and awaiting sealing. However, respondent hasn't submitted D81 as of yet to complete sealing. Meanwhile, respondent, who is the applicant in, in the self-divorce application, is refusing to sign our financial order. Question one would be, why the way if settlement was done out of court and consent order clean break already agreed? Question two, if financial order is applied for after 90 days by respondent, would it be stopped or do you advise not applying and just waiting it out as there is a core cost? There is a cost with another 10 week wait. So why they're not filling out the D81, I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, if you've agreed the consent order, um, the financial order is what we're talking about for those of you that are listening. The purpose of the D81, it, it's for the judge. So it's a form that the judge will read to make sure that the order he's being asked to make is fair and reasonable. 
So the D81 is quite lengthy um, and it does require you to just put some figures in. Not a lot of figures, what you earn, what you've got in the bank, what your debts are and what your pension's worth. Um, but it can be a bit of a tedious form to complete. But without the D81, you are you have reached a stalemate because you can't submit the consent order. So if I was speaking to, to this person, was it Silent Man? I'd be saying, look, you know, do they know that they have to complete it? Um, do they know that you're not going to get a financial order without it? Um, I mean, bottom line, if they don't do it, then essentially we don't have an order by consent. So the only remedy then is to go to court to get your financial order, which seems really disproportionate if we've already got an agreement. Um, we just went on the D81. Yeah. Sorry, it's me that's assumed FO is financial order. Uh, in his message, FO is final order. Oh, for the divorce. So, so let's be clear. We've got the final order in the divorce and we've got the financial order, uh, which is also the FO. And the D81 is for the financial order. So, and, and the two processes are separate. So if we talk about divorce for a second, we have our final order, which means that you are divorced. The, the order just before your final order is called the conditional order. And we have to have the conditional order before we can submit the financial order to the court. Okay, so um, I'm a little bit confused as to what, what he wants help with. Um, if he is the respondent, which I think was part of the question, and the other side aren't applying for the final order in the divorce, then yes, I would suggest that he do that. As long as yeah. his financial order's made. Yeah. So the clean break is done, but it's not sealed, barring the D81. And the conditional order is done, but the final order hasn't been applied for yet. Right. So the chain of events needs to be, you've got your conditional order, you've now got to get that D81 signed. If the other side don't do it, it may be that you go to court to get your financial order. Either way, I would not recommend applying for your final order in divorce until you've got your financial order. Great. Thanks, Tracy. And just really quickly to go back to the lady who we were just talking about with, yeah. with regards to DV. Yeah. Um, she's put, I won't be relocating abroad. I'll be just moving four hours away within the UK. Relocation order is what my solicitor told me it was. Yeah. His sister lives an hour, an hour away. And I want to promote as much son and father relationship as possible. I just yeah. want to flee and be safe. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, yeah. I mean, if somebody is not safe and they wish to flee and there's no order preventing them from fleeing, who are we to say they can't go? Um, she wouldn't be in breach of anything. Um, and as I said earlier, once she's safe, then she needs to turn her attention to sorting out maybe some child arrangements. Which is what? she said she she is looking to do yeah i'm just i suppose i'm a little bit nervous only because her solicitor who knows way more about this case than you and i do captain is telling her not to do it so it could be that you know we don't know or but based on what we've been told then that what i've said is 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 accurate yeah that's great all right thanks trace Um, thanks again i won't be around next week oh okay uh, i've got work okay All right. Well, you'll be Um, missed. We'll see you the week after. I'll I'll see you the week after then. Brilliant. Okay. Cheers, Captain. Bye.
Guys, that was a real busy evening, but it's got us to the end of our family law hour. I hope that you all got something out of that. Apologies to those of you still with your hand up in the lounge. I'm so sorry, but I am going to be back here again next Tuesday at 6pm. So by all means, get in early, get your hands up, uh, make your way into the lounge if you have a question for me, and I will look to answer it um, when I'm back on Tuesday. Uh, Oh, hello, Missy. I didn't see you in there. Um, So, uh, yeah. Thanks very much for joining me in the lounge and speak to you all again Tuesday. Until then, take care. Bye.